0: mindfulness mode.
1: For years, I was so worried about what everybody thought of me.
0: Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining me today. I'm always excited to sit down and have a conversation with you. And I've really enjoyed doing these weekend shows that I started doing way back, what was it, way back in March. I'm just so grateful to be here and to be able to reach out to you through my podcast, which is almost six years old celebrating in August and I'm grateful to be able to help people like you through coaching and hypnosis. And I tell you, I certainly never thought that I would become a certified hypnotist, helping people with anxiety and stress, helping people lose habits that they've been trying to dump for years, helping people lose weight. It is very exciting. It really is. Anyway, I have someone special to share with you today. A few days ago, I was able to connect with a guy who is so inspiring and so inspiring because, well, he's an ordinary guy, his own words. He's just like, he says, there's nothing special about, about me. And well, I think there's something special about him, but I'll tell you what, he's figured out how to be strong and positive, how to be confident, how to take action and how to accomplish what he sets out to do. Notice, that a lot of those things are exactly what we talk about on mindfulness mode. Taking action is the key thing. I say it all the time. You have to take action to live a better life, to feel content and to get the sense that you're moving forward. Anyway, today I wanna share my chat with Nate, and I hope that he's just as inspiring to you as he is to me. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation. Hey Mindful Tribe, have you ever set up a, a regiment for yourself? And maybe you decided you were going to do, you know, twenty or thirty push-ups a day for maybe two weeks, something like that? Well, I know I have, and uh You know, sometimes I just am so determined to make something like that happen. Well, today we have the ultimate guest because he has set up a challenge for himself that seems astronomical. My guest today set up a challenge to do 1.5 million push-ups in a year, and that would surpass the world record. And he did it. And so I'm so excited to talk today to uh, Nathaniel Carroll. Nathaniel, are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: I am, Bruce. Thank you. That was a nice introduction. (laughs) Absolutely. It's every day.
0: I'm just just wowed. (laughs) So it's every day. That's awesome. That is just awesome. Well, what does mindfulness mean to you, Nate?
1: For me, mindfulness means being really in touch with the moment, being in touch with your body, both physically and mentally, and just kind of taking that daily Um, assessment of where things are and kind of where we want to go. So for me, I think that ability to focus really helped make this challenge a success. And ultimately for anybody, mindfulness, I think is incorporated to whatever success they have for themselves.
0: Right. Well, you know, that's an unbelievable goal and you've completed it. And, you know, before I met you, I thought you must have like Arms that are just the size of—I don't know—you don't know what. You must just be built like the most amazing bodybuilder. But yeah, you have uh, you have good size arms, but not astronomical. Uh, we're gonna talk about that after. I'm so interested to talk about all of the mindfulness elements that that are connected to this. What would you say helps you to actually? pull off a goal like this. A lot of people think, you know, I'll set a resolution, I'll make a goal, but then a lot of us just don't accomplish it. How did you make this a reality?
1: So for me it was it was being mindful. And what that really means to me in a nutshell is focusing solely on what I can control and really kind of disc- disregarding things that are outside of my my ability to control. And so when you take a goal like 1.5 million push-ups or a goal of running a 5K, if we focus on all the things that we can't control, I think it really deters us from kind of persevering through challenges. And what I've found is when you just focus on daily habits, routines, and you add them up moment after moment, day after day, maybe it adds up to something special. But so being mindful and being focused really on the moment and what I can control is really about um, all I can do to, to strive towards a goal like that. And then just hope that it adds up to something special. And I think it also allows us to be really in tune with kind of what's going on with our, our thoughts, with our body, and what's going on in the environment around us so that we can react to it, we can modify what it is we need to do and make the necessary changes to pursue our goals.
0: Wow, I love how you explain that because we talk about this on the show all the time about you know taking control of your mindset and and making sure that your thoughts are positive and all this kind of thing and you made it clear in what you just said that that's exactly what you do now i want to share a little bit more detail about your your goal and what you've done nate Carroll started his Thanking Law Enforcement Challenge back in January of 2019, and since then, uh, like I mentioned, he has uh, accomplished this incredible goal, but he's also thanked over 1,500 officers. He's met a lot of them himself in person, a lot of them he contacted by writing letters, and he's continuing to do that. So, There are 3,142 different counties in the United States and he's just chipping away at this goal, to thank all these different responders, first responders and police officers. And he supports the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which is a foundation that helps injured first responders. And they pay off the mortgages for families of injured first responders. And they do a lot of things to help those families. And so it's just fascinating to hear what your day looks like when you uh, start with all of these push-ups, you know, attempting to do like four thousand one hundred and eleven a day. And I shouldn't say attempting because you pulled this off. You tell us what does your day look like, Nate? What time do you get up, and how does this how does this happen?
1: Yeah. So during the challenge, I slept in five days over three hundred and sixty-five days. And when I say I slept in, that was to a little after seven. So, but typically my day started at three forty-five. I got up, I would stretch, you know, kind of take an assessment of how I was feeling both physically and mentally. And then by four o'clock I would start my pushups and I would do 60 sets before the day basically started. So before work started or before I had to get the kids off to school, I would do about 60 sets of 30 to 35 pushups. That gives me about 2000. And then from there, I knew if I could get 2000 in before the day started, I could get the other 2000 in and the rest of the, uh, the day. So, but it was about creating habits and having a goal and really making this not something that I do, but who I am. So I think sometimes for me in the past when I've set goals and I've kind of, it's been something other than um, myself per se, you know, or outside of myself, I kind of lose that steam. I lose that motivation. So I think a goal like this, motivation will start, initially, but that's hard to sustain over a course of 365 days. So you have to be driven and really develop a purpose that's much bigger than yourself. So that's the type of stuff that kind of helped me fuel that.
0: So speaking of purpose, what is it that made you become so passionate about first responders and the work that they do?
1: I think it's the awareness i mean you talk about mindfulness and it's you know not only of ourselves but just the awareness around what happens around us and i think um what to make it clear is you know like during the covid we really recognized the importance of truck drivers store clerks and all these people that contributed to our life in ways that maybe prior to covid we hadn't put a lot of thought into so it's kind of the same thing with first responders at any moment these men and women are willing to trade their safety for my life. They're willing to answer the call and run towards danger when most of us are running away from danger. And so I think like when I think about being a father, it's kind of the same way I look at being a father. I'm willing to trade my safety for my children's lives. And these first responders do it for us every day and for, perfectly, uh, for perfect strangers. So I think just the awareness of that, that if they don't do what they do, you and I really don't get a chance to do and live the life that we envision for ourselves. So it's kind of that, that, that blanket of protection that is there, but not always noticed. So I've really just tried to be aware of it and mindful of it, that that blanket of protection that they've provided me through 46 years is something that I wanna pay forward and just say, thank you for what you've done not only for me, but for you know my family, but for all of us across the country, and uh, just to be hopefully encourage other people to kind of heighten that sense of awareness.
0: Nate, I want to talk about the bonds you've built with your family as a result of this this project. Tell us some specifics. How have have your uh, relationships changed with your children and with your partner?
1: So my relationships with my children. So this challenge, the, the 1.5 million push-up challenge, was in part, obviously, for them as well. And I wanted to, to have a goal that most people would hear about and say, like, that's impossible. Like, that it's crazy to think that you can average 4,000 push-ups for 365 days, you know, that it's something so out of kind of the mindset of what, how most people think. But I wanted them, my children, I have three children, Charlie, Louie, and Millie, they're 14, 12, and 10, to see it up close, to recognize what does it look like to pursue a goal. And we talked about, you know, what is the daily habit? What is the daily routine? What is my passion? So they saw this every day. They saw me get up. They saw me incorporate push-ups into everything I did. And they ultimately saw it add up to something special. I was able to pass a record, raised a bunch of money for the foundation, but the true benefit i think for them is years to come so as when they are in their early 20s and they start pursuing their passion or they start chasing down their dreams they're going to be filled with doubt they're going to be you know surrounded by people that say they can't they're going to be wrestling with that kind of internal voice like is this something that i can do and i wanted this experience to kind of be a template for them so that they can look at their passion their goals and say you know if my dad can get up and do this and this is what it looked like I can go pursue my dreams. So really, it's about paying it forward to them and just being a, a positive role model for my children so that when they're my age, they're impacting people, hopefully like I am today.
0: Oh, that's that's impressive. Tell me what they've done to help you with the challenge.
1: Well, they've, uh, you know, they've supported me. And, you know, it's like I always, I kind of laugh because like so some people I mean, it's a it's a. It's a vast amount of push-ups but they saw it every day so it's you know it's like whatever dad you're doing more push-ups um but they uh i think they um you know they they've grown an appreciation for what hard work looks like and they've increased their awareness of you know those that impact their life and whether it's first responders or their teachers or the crossing guard or whomever it is that impacts their life i think for many people and kids especially are kind of focused on self and kind of like it's me versus kind of the collective so I think it's challenged them a little bit to kind of be more appreciative of those around them that have impacted their life so I mean in general I, in, I think it's been pretty positive for them and it's created a lot of opportunities for discussion so you know my son Louis likes basketball so we'll you know we'll use kind of the metaphor of getting up practicing when no one's looking. I mean, there's nothing glamorous about getting up at four o'clock in the morning and sitting and doing push-ups all morning. I mean, that, that's not, not very fun necessarily, but it's for a greater good is you got to put the work in when nobody's looking. So this challenge has created a lot of those kind of talking points of working through insecurity and working through maybe mental, you know, kind of laziness, like, you know, I'd rather do something else and kind of help them focus.
0: Yeah, we're all prone to that that laziness. Absolutely. We we all want to just sit on the couch for a while. So are you still doing the this amount of push-ups now that you've completed the 1.5 million?
1: I am not. No. So I I mean that's a I was I I was blessed to be healthy for the the bulk of it and uh I for me I, I I've taken a step back just because of the the mental fatigue that went into it. It was a lot to balance and you know, I you know it was my goal, and so so I you know I I continue to do push-ups, but not to the amount that I was doing them you know, during the challenge.
0: Yeah. So, about how many push-ups do you do now, Nate?
1: I did thirty today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, quite that, a bit less.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> thirty push-ups. No. So, what's your resting heart rate?
1: You know, I I don't know. I mean, so like when I was a marathoner, it was. um, you know, I think it was probably around you know 60, maybe 59. So it was it was pretty good. But I I tip I, for the, you know last few years I really haven't trained much for like heart rate and things like that. I run and I'm active, but I don't really monitor my my vitals. I guess maybe I should, but I don't. Right.
0: So you still run today? How how much do you run each day?
1: So I run a couple miles each day typically. Um, it depends. I'm kind of working on rucksacking now, which is walking, running with a, a weighted pack. So that's kind of my next adventure is kind of pursuing that and tying that into a way to contribute to others. So, but running has been very important to me. And what I've found throughout my life is that it, it really kind of, it makes me in tune with my thoughts, my body and what's going on in the here and now. And it kind of, you know, it's that mindfulness activity that uh, you can do in, in motion. And so it's very, uh, it's something that I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, it really is. And I enjoy it too. I run about, uh, 6.6 Six point six kilometers a day, which is four miles, and yeah. you know, and I really enjoy it. Tell me more about rucksacking.
1: Oh, rucksacking! So, rucksacking is you have a weighted pack and you either run or walk a, a, a distance uh, with that pack. So, some people will will rock with a hundred pound pack or a fifty pound pack or a twenty five pound pack. So there, it's just a an added weight and resistance to your your running or walking that it creates, you know, a little more stress and it's a little more challenging. So sometimes, and I don't know how you are, but I do get bored with things. And so if I don't have a strong, you know, maybe goal that I'm working towards, it's hard sometimes to kind of keep that focus. So I find kind of switching it up a little bit, keeps things fresh and uh, allows me to continue to stay active.
0: Right. Let's talk about the, the organization that you raise money for. And I know that you mentioned one of them at least is Tunnel to Towers Foundation. That's one of them. Are there other foundations as well? Tell us where you uh, like the money to go.
1: Yeah, so tunnel to Towers is the main foundation that I've worked with. So I coupled the, the 1.5 million push-up challenge with this foundation. They're out of New York. They came about on 9-11. Steve Siller was a New York City firefighter. Planes hit the towers. He was off that day and responded. He went to the firehouse. He couldn't get to the towers because the, to- the tunnels were all jammed with vehicles. So he donned his gear, ran through the tunnel, up to the towers and was helping people get out of the towers and gave his life when those towers collapsed on him so his family started the tunnel to towers foundation and what this foundation does is it pays off the mortgages of fallen first responders gold star families and they build smart homes or refurbish smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans so if these fallen first responders or gold star families leave behind a family with young children they step in, pay off that mortgage so the family can stay in that house, not be burdened with the financial aspect of a mortgage. And the kids can stay there in that house where they made their memories with mom and dad. So it's a pretty cool foundation. And I was just so grateful for the opportunity to to work with them.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Do you have any idea how much money you raised for the foundation?
1: I think we raised over $40,000. I know it was over $40,000. It might be 50, I'm not sure. I haven't gotten the exact numbers yet. Uh, The just got done June 13th. So just last month. Yeah. So they're still calculating things.
0: Very, very impressive. Well, I just want to ask you if you can tell us a story about someone that you've met through this project that has reached out to you and you've made an impact. and, And maybe you can just share us a story like that.
1: Yeah, so I, I think I've met many police officers and with the foundation, the, the the families that they've impacted and paid off as well, I haven't had the opportunity to meet them, but I've met um, many police officers and first responders during this journey. And what I found to be kind of really special is that People will ask me like, well, you know, what can I do to help people or, you know, what can I do to contribute and you know you're doing 1.5 million push ups and raising money and I, I always what I've always found is the simple thank you, it goes so far the acknowledgement of what they do the, you know, just the appreciation of what they do goes a long way so. The the opportunity that I've had to just say thank you to police officers and first responders is really kind of solidified in me the importance of taking care of them and acknowledging the work that they do because in my opinion if they aren't there our lives are going to be impacted and maybe in ways that we're not happy about and it kind of doesn't allow us maybe to live our life as as we would like to that blanket of freedom that we talked about before so just that simple acknowledgement so um, you know I've We've been to Colorado and New York and Boston and Florida and uh, South Dakota. I mean, all these different states and just had such a nice opportunity to meet with departments and people and uh, just say thank you.
0: Well, it sounds like it's given your your life true purpose and meaning and you know a lot of the people that i talk to and i i coach people and i help people through hypnosis and a lot of people don't have that focus in that direction do you think that's what helps people to feel better about themselves and not have so much anxiety and stress that kind of thing
1: absolutely i think you know if you don't know where you're going any road will take you there and the the ability to kind of define your purpose or your passion i think kind of really focuses your attention on um on that and in what you need to do to pursue that so for me yeah you know like if if you don't know where you're going any road will take you there you know just that statement alone you know creates a lot of uncertainty which i think probably enables a lot of anxiety and kind of worry about like what is my life what direction is my life going what is my personal value what is my value to other people And I think having that passion and the pursuit of that, you know, it really kind of solidifies in some regard who we are and who we see ourselves, because I think it's very important. I mean, we all wear a lot of hats, you know, and whether it's dad or, you know, what we do for our work or kind of what we do in our our leisure time, Um, but all those things define us and who we are. And I think really the clearer that is, um, the less kind of anxiety and worry, may be associated with that individual.
0: Yeah. One of the things we talk about on the show a lot is your inner bully, that, that voice, that negative voice that keeps telling you things. Do you have that? Do you experience a negative inner voice that tries to derail you? And if you do, what do you do about it?
1: Sure, absolutely. I mean, a little bit. About my backstory, is you know, I grew up in a divorced home with a mother who wasn't present. She struggled with alcohol, and my dad raised me, but kind of emotionally invalidating and was present, but not really nurturing, I guess you could say. So, you know, growing up as a, a, you know, early 20s, I think the impact was a lot of anger, a lot of anxiety, a lot of questions about, am I good enough? Is there something wrong with me? You know, why don't these people respond to me like maybe, you know, like nor other mothers would, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of that, and then I got myself into a, a relationship, and it it was it was a domestic violence situation, and I was the victim of it. And uh, so it kind of reinforced some of those those thoughts that I had about myself, and kind of the things that I would tell myself. Um, but for me, what really kind of the, the catalyst that changed it and getting out of that was just the awareness of time. And the notion of time kept kept popping up in my head. And what I started thinking about was like, well, I, I can't get this moment back and I can spend this time, I can invest this time, or I can waste this time. And being in my mid forties at that, at that point in my time, I knew that my ability to do some of the things physically was rapidly eroding away. And so I really had to make a choice about, do I challenge some of this inner thinking, these inner thoughts, these kind of, you know, these tapes that play in my head? Um, do I couple that with like this notion of time and what it is that I want to accomplish? And for me, that really helped kind of, get me to challenge the negative thinking, the negative perception and uh, focus it again on what is it that's true? What is it that I can control? And it really kind of reduced me down to, like we talked about earlier, just like w- what's my next choice? What's my next you know decision that I can make? And having that purpose really helped drown out some of those those thoughts. They're still present and I think they always will be and they creep up in, you know, weird times. But again, being mindful, I think helps us kind of combat that in a way that's effective and healthy versus an ineffective way or an unhealthy way of combating those those thoughts.
0: Yeah, I, I really think you're right. Absolutely. You mentioned that you were the victim of domestic violence. And I'd like to focus on that for a minute, because I've talked to different people who have been victims of domestic violence when it was a male who was doing the violence and in your case it's it was not that can you tell us a little bit more about what that was like and how you got through it and and how humiliating it was
1: it was very humiliating and i so for me the relationship i think as most relationships started out on a very Positive note. It was a good relationship. I, I loved her, and she she was very good to me. She was good to my children, and um, over the course of time, as the relationship settled, that's when issues really started to pop up. And I think if you know if, if I could be objective enough to 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 look at it, you know, she came from a dysfunctional family and a broken home, and I think struggled as well in relationships with you know her parents, and. I think that, as the relationship settled, you know she couldn't figure out why the same amount of tension wasn't being distributed to her, and so she, it seemed like she had to make sense of it, so it was either that I was cheating or that I was gay or that I was you know whatever, and so like all this stuff would kind of filter in, and then what would happen would she would over a course of time, like I was cut off you know for my family, for my activities, the things that I uh, was passionate about. And the the things that I heard were kind of the things that I said to myself growing up, you know, like, you know, that you're a loser, that you're no good, that you're a, you know, screw up. Um, Much more colorful, of course, Mm but family show. And uh, so all that stuff kind of reinforced the things that I heard or I felt because my mom wasn't around, and you know my family wasn't as close as maybe I, I, uh, I wanted them to be. So it, it was my vulnerabilities were were not being attended to, and ultimately, yeah, I found myself in a situation where I was in fear for my life and my job and my children's childhood experiences, and ultimately, I, I just had to leave, and I was thankful that I reached out to the local domestic abuse shelter in my community and they you know they validated my experiences and my thoughts and confirmed that I wasn't a loser and crazy and all the things that Mm -hmm. you know you hear and uh and I ultimately left which was very which was the turning point for me because it reduced me down to nothing but i was okay because i was safe and that's the progression of building back kind of where i am today so and the flip side of all this which i i often tell people is had i not gone through some of those experiences i wouldn't have the opportunity to be chatting with you today because right. we all have bad things that happen to us but i think after we've we've processed them and continue to process them and heal we can use those experiences to do good and That's really kind of where I am today is that I obviously I'm not happy that all that stuff happened, but it happened and I can't change any of it. So I can either, you know, look at it in a negative light and have it impact me in a negative way, or I can use the gifts from that experience to really help other people and be an example of that you can get out of situations and that not just women find themselves in domestic abuse situations. It can be anybody who doesn't really take care of their vulnerabilities.
0: Yes, it can. And that's a really powerful and an important message to get out there. So did you have Charlie, Louie and Millie with you back at that time?
1: Yeah. So that was, they were with my, my first wife. So I, uh, Charlie and Louie Millie, you know, were um, with my first wife, and then I was divorced, and then I I met my second wife, and then that's when this situation occurred. So
0: Well, Nate, I always ask a question about bullying, and I know you've talked about that experience that you had. I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and and I and I'm very fascinated at how mindfulness dovetails with with bullying and how we can get through some of these circumstances and situations. Were you ever bullied when you were younger previous to that, maybe in your teenage years or younger? And do you have a story that you could share with us about that?
1: So I wasn't bullied as a kid. I think, you know, when I think back to my childhood, I've, I've always been kind of a a chameleon as I describe it. And I can find myself to fit in, in any situation, Um, you know, whether it was with, you know, the athletic people, or, you know, the people who weren't athletic. I've I've just always had a knack to kind of blend in and get along. So I never experienced any bullying per se. You know, my son has experienced some of bullying. And I, you know, we've talked about that. And I think I look back at when I was young, you know, I was angry, I was upset. And a lot of my, um, a lot of that was really because of my experiences. Sure. And I probably wasn't as nice to people, um, you know, my teachers or other people that as I could have been. And I, you know, so I think of that, you know, those moments in my past, it was really about Nate. It wasn't about what other people were doing in my life or not doing in my life that kind of caused these reactions. So when my son started dealing with this kid at school that was bullying, you know, we really kind of talked about that and not to excuse or justify the behavior, but to really gain a kind of perspective that, you know, this this isn't a Charlie thing, this is this other kid's thing and trying to understand what it is about, you know, this other kid that leads him to behave this way. And again, it's not to excuse it or to justify it or say it's okay, but for Charlie to kind of have the perspective that, you know, what this kid's doing and saying it's not about you. So hopefully that kind of insulates him a little bit when he starts kind of, you know, formulating opinions about himself and kind of how he sees himself in the world that, you know, those types of statements don't stick, that it's, you know, like well, that's his deal, not your deal, even though you're impacted by it.
0: Right. Well, I'm certainly very inspired by you and and the role model that you have Created for yourself and how you are inspiring to your children and setting this up for their future. What's next? What are you working on? Do you have something on the horizon that you're working toward?
1: Well, a couple things. I mean, for, first and foremost, to be a good example for my children. And to be a good example for my community, and just to continue to be appreciative and aware of all the people and you know systems that impact us, and just do my best to be a good steward and to acknowledge that. And uh, you know, I'm going to continue to to thank police officers and first responders. And uh, as far as my physical, kind of, you know, I'm not going to be doing 1.5 million pushups again, but I'm looking at doing the uh, the rucksack and, and doing some distance uh, training and some distant, you know, marathons with the weighted pack. I think that's kind of what the, the next, um, you know, pursuit for me will be, but just being active and, uh, being a positive dad and good role model for my community is what's important to me.
0: That's great. And I know that you work in a mental health facility as a social worker and how have you inspired some of the people in that setting? Have some of them, uh, let you know that you've been an inspiration?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it's, you know, it's always interesting when you work in a prison um, and, you know, people, you know, you you got to keep your private life private, so to speak. It's one of the the things that they talk about often. But, you know, these challenges that I've done in the past have generated some attention in the papers and the media. So the guys have seen, you know, stuff on TV and whatnot. And for me, I've used it as an example, like the 1.5 million pushups, I use it. We talk about like, well, what does that look like? And you know, we we briefly discussed you know what the routine was, what the pattern was, what the habit was, and taking this big 1.5 number and breaking it down into what's my next choice, what's my next um, decision that I got to make that works towards that direction. You know, so for the guys in jail, you know, struggling with sobriety, living a life of integrity, living a life outside of the walls. That's like 1.5 million push ups. It's probably harder than 1.5 million push ups. So, we talk about like, so you wanna be free, you wanna be sober, you wanna live a life with integrity. Well, what's your next choice? You know, what's your next choice that aligns with that type of goal? And we start there. And so, we'll use the 1.5 million push ups as kind of a metaphor towards, you know, sobriety, integrity, and living a life of, you know, outside of the walls uh, to help them kind of realize that yeah being sober is hard you know living a life of integrity is hard and being free and staying free is very hard but so is 1.5 million push-ups but it starts with my next put my next decision it starts with creating that pattern those habits and replicating that day after day after day and maybe you add up to years of sobriety years of integrity and a lifetime of living outside the walls
0: yeah yeah that's that's so true and that's that's what we talk about all the time on the show is how you can create habits to make your life better. You can become more content and feel happier about what you're achieving and, and just have a positive mindset. So as we wrap up the interview, Nate, do you have any final words of advice for anybody that might be listening to this that's struggling or feeling like they just keep sabotaging themselves, they just keep putting themselves down, they keep noticing that negative voice? What would your words of advice be to that person?
1: For them, I would say nobody outside your family and friends really cares what you do. And what I mean by that is, I remember for years, I was so worried about what everybody thought of me and many people that I didn't, you know, that I, I probably didn't even knew, like I wouldn't go out running because, you know, somebody might see me that's driving by and think that I'm slow or overweight or whatever. So I, I would have all these people that would control my choices that I didn't really even know or kind of care really what they thought. So for people who are struggling, get out there challenge you know our time is so limited it's we can spend our time we can invest our time or we can waste our time and we'll never get these moments back but if you have goals or passionate I would say challenge it by looking at what is my next choice you know and really being mindful and and attentive to what it is that goes on inside your mind and your heart and what do you want to accomplish what do you want to work towards and just focus on that next choice because I think those patterns They create success, whether you're doing push-ups, whether you're doing a podcast, or you're running into a a burning building to save people. And uh, it's all about creating those positive patterns and being mindful all along the way.
0: Well, I have interviewed over 600 people, and I don't think anybody has inspired me more than you. You are just really an amazing inspiration to anybody, to a you know a person, no matter what you're doing, what your your role is in life, you can make a difference. You can inspire others. You can just make up your mind to make a difference, to do something, to to uh, do these things that that you're talking about here, Nate. Just to become a more positive person and just take control. So thank you so much for being on mindfulness mode today, Nate.
1: Thank you for having me i appreciate the opportunity
0: yeah all the best to you bye now bye bye hey mindful tribe thanks for joining me today i always appreciate being able to sit down with you and share thoughts and ideas and especially on this day well i hope it will inspire you it certainly was inspiring to me and And, uh, you know, I just hope you take a lot of the ideas that, that Nate shared with you in order to gain some of the confidence like he's gained in his life. Well, if you're experiencing anxiety or stress or if you're having problems with your inner bully, reach out and let's talk about how I can help you with the use of hypnosis. It's such a powerful tool that will help you. Your conscious and subconscious minds will connect and we'll change the messages that are keeping you stuck and frustrated. Let's set up a time to talk about how hypnosis can change your life for the better. I will use hypnosis to deal directly with what's holding you back. And if you want, I'll also teach you how to use self-hypnosis as a tool you'll be able to use for years. Just jump on a free Zoom call with me. Send me an email at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and put inspire with habit in the subject line that way i'll know that you heard me on this episode take action make it happen turn your life around just like nate did you know he was being abused he was feeling about as low as low could be And in spite of the odds, he turned things around and he became that confident, inspiring man that he is today. So send that email so we can get started and you can take action and uh, just begin to really live the life you've always wanted. So have a great week, Mindful Tribe. And remember, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode!